So Money episode 785, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, listener Mary Grace Gardner. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. September 21st, 2018. Our co-host today is Mary Grace Gardner, who is a fan of the show, a listener for a long time, and founder of the theyoungprofessionista.com. We'll talk to her very shortly. But just want to catch up. If you haven't caught some of the episodes from this week, we had Ryan Serhant on Monday, who is the host of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing. He's a big-time real estate agent in New York City and Brooklyn, and I'm a huge fan of real estate, as you know. So it was a lot of fun for me, and hopefully you, to have Ryan on the show. We talk about the market and how his whole story came to be. He was broke, like a lot of entrepreneurs start out. Uh, But he takes us back down memory lane when he was uh, at a grocery store in New York and his debit card kept getting declined. Yikes. But today we're going to be talking about all your money questions as well. Some of them have to do with real estate, some about credit, debt, budgeting, investing. Our special co-host is Mary Grace Gardner, the founder of theyoungprofessionista.com. Mary Grace Gardner, welcome to So Money. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. You and I first connected a while back. You've been listening to this episode, to this podcast for years as a mother, as um, a, a woman with a profession and a side hustle, and you're just really engaged. I can, I, it's been great having you as part of the community, always replying to emails and episodes, and you are very passionate about women, financial empowerment. You run this site called theyoungprofessionista.com. This is an addition to your career in the health space. You also have your real estate license, which I happen to love. But tell us a little bit about the Young Professionista. I think this is a great site for listeners to tune into. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. So with the Young Professionista, I help hardworking students get accepted into their dream schools. And I also help ambitious professionals with landing their dream jobs. So on the college front, uh, what I do is work with students either one-on-one or through group coaching to help them get through the really confusing process on figuring out what to do for applying to colleges. Anywhere from choosing what to write about in their college essays to figuring out what majors they may want to pursue, or even just figuring out what schools may be a best fit for them. And I stumbled into this part of my of my business because uh, growing up and going through the process myself, I was being asked many times by people, how did I get into competitive schools and how did I do it debt-free? And so over the past 10 years, I've been mentoring people in that space. And when I was part of the admissions team for UC Berkeley, I was able to get a completely different view of the admissions process. And so I've been really having a great time helping students there. And then on the career front, uh, something that I was always asked about uh, throughout my career was how I landed into uh, into, uh, leadership roles early on in my career. And so I've been mentoring folks through that process. 
process, whether it comes to applying for a new job or negotiating salaries, or when it comes to just figuring out what your passions are and how do you marry that with what it is you want to do for the rest of your career. And so I've been really enjoying um, helping both those two related but different spaces and uh, just meeting different people along the way. Yeah, you graduated both from your bachelor's, you got a bachelor's degree and a master's debt-free. How did you do that? A lot of dedication when I was in high school. So I, coming from a family where education was really important, I also knew that we weren't in a financial situation where I was going to qualify for financial aid. So a lot of it had to do with me really hustling in high school and applying to as many scholarships as possible. So I did my best to do well in school and was pretty active in extracurriculars. And then I treated applying to scholarships just like another class. And I literally applied to dozens and dozens, almost every day, my senior year of high school, and was able to accumulate enough scholarships to cover undergrad. And then I did the same thing during undergrad. And for graduate school, was able to get some pretty competitive offers. Uh, one thing, and I'll, I'll put a tip out there for folks who are applying to graduate school, once I did receive uh, the offers for scholarships from different graduate schools, I actually negotiated with them. And just kind of like you do with jobs, I shared packages that were being offered to me by different colleges and was able to get matches or increases from different programs. And so through applying and through negotiation, I was able to get my my uh, postgraduate education covered. So clearly you're so money. That's a given. <laughs> you emailed me as a potential candidate for a co-hosting slot, I do this. I say, hey, email me and tell me why you'd like to co-host. And you did. You listed 12 reasons why you would be a good fit. And I just want to share this with the audience. I think it's so great. It's just so fantastic. First, you say that you make more than your husband. So clearly, we're kindred spirits here. Um, you make three times more than your husband. Quickly, uh, Was is this on the scale of one to 10? This is a... 10 being like fantastic, one being problematic. How is this man? How is this impacting your marriage? I think that this has. This has been a positive thing in our marriage, but the cool thing about my husband, we were best friends before we ever started dating. So he knew me way before I even started my career. We knew each other when we were in high school and were friends then. And so we kind of grew up together. And so it wasn't a shocker when uh, he saw me growing up in my career and he actually supported me as I progressed in my career. So no surprises there. And it has just been really great to have that support system. Awesome. So he knew what he was getting himself into, that he was in for a great ride, a really ambitious ride. That's awesome. You've also in this list mentioned that, you know, you're big into investing. You and your husband both max out your 401ks. You also dabble in alternative investments like investing in startups. You have a piece of a hotel share, which is really interesting. You, um, you and I actually did have a So Money session together way back when, when I first launched this podcast to engage the audience quickly and really get to know our audience, my audience more. I was offering away 15-minute money sessions and you and I chatted and tell, tell me about like based, like where were you then versus where you are today and how, how have things changed for you? Was that conversation helpful? It was super helpful. So there were two questions that we went over during that time. One was I was pregnant with my first child at the time and I 
just gave birth to my second child last month. Uh, but my question for you was about saving for him and where I should put some money he was earning. So he did a little commercial modeling and I wanted to know where, where I should put his money. So you gave me some good advice there and we followed through on that. And then the second was about my the business, the side business that I was just talking about and some guidance there about branding and your advice. And I implemented it and both things have worked out really well. Is your son still modeling? He is. Yeah, he is. And uh, he's shown up on a couple couple ads. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty fun. All right. Let's help out some listeners, shall we? Yes, let's do it. All right. So the first question comes from Drew. Speaking of 401ks, we just talked about how you and your husband max out your 401ks. He has a question about rolling over a, a, an old 401k to his new 401k at his new place of employment. He's not sure what to do with the old 401k. He says that he's received documentation from his old 401k plan manager, and it seems he's got four options. One is to keep the money where it is, two, roll the assets to some kind of IRA, three, transfer the assets to his new 401k, or four, take a cash distribution. So he's wondering what should he do and um, yeah, if there are any time constraints as well that he should be aware of as far as when some of these options might expire. So I've, I've done this a couple of times. Before I was an entrepreneur, I had many jobs and with every transition came a transition with the 401k. I was lucky enough to have one back then. And in every case, I either rolled it into an IRA or I moved it into the new employer's 401k. A lot of times new employers won't let you contribute to the new 401k. Um, until you're there for at least three or six months as part of their, you know, initiation process. I know at my husband's company, it's a startup. And so I think he had to be there for like three or six months before he got enrolled in their 401k. So in the meantime, his old 401k, we moved that into an IRA as kind of a place to be in the, in the interim so that he can contribute, continue contributing to it. Um, the problem with just leaving the assets where they are is that you can't contribute to the money. Now, it'll still grow, but sometimes there is a deadline. Like sometimes you do have to move that money. You have maybe six months or three months. So do go back to your 401k provider, your old 401k provider, Drew, and ask them, what is the the deadline for keeping the assets where they are? Because what you don't want to have happen is you are unaware of certain deadlines, and then you get a check in the mail with your cashed out 401k, which is actually option four, take a cash distribution. I don't like that option, Mary Grace, because what does that mean? You're going to have to now pay taxes and an early withdrawal penalty because this came from a 401k. It's designed to have you save this money until 59 and a half, at which point you can withdraw penalty-free. Otherwise, you pay 10% penalty, early withdrawal penalty, plus interest, uh, sorry, income taxes. So you could essentially wipe out half of that money by taking an early distribution, early cash withdrawal. So don't, I don't like option one or option four. I would prefer him rolling the money over into his new 401k or an IRA of some kind. What do you think? 
I agree. I think whenever it comes to compounding interest, you always want to maximize that opportunity. And so being able to roll over to the IRA or the 401k really utilizes that. And then the other thing for him to keep in mind is to take a look at what are the offerings and the percentages that he might be able to gain through the IRA versus the 401k to help him make that decision. Great. So Drew, I think you're not your work is not done here yet. I think you need to go back to your previous 401k manager and just get more specifics about the the deadlines. I mean, I think I also read that some places, depending on how much is in your 401k, like if you only have a few thousand dollars in it, they're not going to let you let that sit there for very long. You need to make a decision sooner than later. Otherwise they do send you a check (laughs) and you don't want that. You want to be able to, like you said, maximize on the compound interest by moving it into a vehicle that will allow you to continue to contribute, um, whether that's an IRA or quickly your new 401k. All right. So next question is from Meredith. And this is from also, uh, as Drew asked, they both asked on the somoneypodcast.com website. They clicked on Ask Farnoosh. And Meredith's question is about where to put her savings. So she's 24. This is a great question for you, I think, Mary Grace, because this is kind of your target audience, right? Mm -hmm. She's in some ways. She's 24. She's a young professional, young professionista in Chicago. She wants to move some of her savings into a high interest savings account, but she's not sure if that's the best place to put it. So here's more. She wants to keep keep about half of her bulk savings in her current account for easy access to pay for things like travel, living expenses, etc. The question is, would it be wise to move some of the emergency fund to a high interest savings account. This is money that she never ever wants to really touch unless something outside of her control happens, like losing her job, unexpected medical expense, et cetera. I think that's a fine idea. Why not get a little bit more interest on money that you're not hoping to touch? I mean, you really don't want to touch this money. You might look into like a 12-month CD, which could pay you more than maybe a high interest savings account. But if it is for like these knee-jerk these emergencies, right, that she has to react to quickly in when they happen, hopefully they never happen, but if they do, it will require some urgent funds, then I think a high interest savings account is is great. Mary Grace, what do you think? I think there is no real downside to using that uh, high savings interest account. The only thing that she should keep in mind is sometimes they have a minimum balance required in order to avoid a fee. And so if she does decide to put some money in there and does need to withdraw, what she can always do is ask that institution if they can downgrade that account so she can avoid that fee. Mm -hmm. And I've done that sometimes too, where I know I might withdraw and might be a little bit beneath that minimum required requirement. And so if you know a month or two is required before you're able to replenish it, you can definitely downgrade that account and then upgrade it back to that high interest savings account when you're ready. Right. And I do also think that some of these high interest, high yield savings accounts will limit your withdrawals per year to X, like three times, six times. So just be aware of the fine print. And places like bankrate.com, nerdwallet.com are great for getting a good apples to apples comparison of the different banks and the different offerings that they have. So good luck, Meredith. Okay. Question for you, Mary Grace. Do you rent or own? I own. Okay. Okay. 
Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24 7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. So, this question from someone on Instagram. And, you know, Instagram is my favorite place right now to hang out online. I sometimes go in and I ask people to send me their questions. And this one question is just real simple, rent or own? (laughs) It's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Okay. So why did you guys decide to own? So we decided to own because we were pretty confident that we were going to stay in the San Francisco Bay Area for a couple years. And in terms of timing, it was when the market was crashing. So that was terrible for sellers, but it was great for buyers. And so in terms of timing, we were about to get married. All the stars kind of aligned in terms of finances. And so it was the right time. And in retrospect, we, we couldn't have timed it even better because now our property has more than doubled in value because we bought it at the bottom of the market. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, that's gravy, the fact that you made money on your property. Now, of course, it's not really money in your pocket until you sell. But uh, I think that I also love real estate for that upside potential. But ultimately, I purchased too because I wanted to plant some roots. You know, I wanted to be able to have a place that was ours, that where we could like raise our family and benefit from the neighborhood and the schools and things like that. Um, Real estate ownership is great, but renting also has its benefits. I think that there is this sentiment out there that we maybe grew up with that renting money is throwing money down the toilet. We've heard it, but I disagree. I think that if rent can afford you flexibility in your life, in your profession, because you're somebody who is maybe still rising through the ranks and that may mean jumping jobs, jumping geographic locations to be able to earn the money that you want to increase your net worth. And if owning is going to tie you down, then that's not great. So if renting can afford you the great things to help you advance in your career, um, travel, you know, and, and maybe even be liquid in your, in your financial life for a while as you are paying down debt and saving money, then I think that's wonderful. I think rent can be a great vehicle, a means to an end. And if, you one day do you want to buy? Then rent can all renting can also prepare you for that. Um, so it's you know the question just rent or own question mark. I, I think it's really it comes down to the math. You got to do the financials, run the numbers, make sure that you are ready to own from a financial standpoint. And there's lots of 
you know, we can go on and on about what that means, but we've done episodes around this. So just go to so many podcasts and click in, click on like real estate or housing in the search bar. You'll get a lot of uh, information there. Uh, but also it's a psychological question and it's like a lifestyle question. Am I mentally prepared? Do I want this? What will this mean for my lifestyle? Will that make, will it make me happier? So do the homework of doing the math, but also asking yourself these other questions that would, that would matter a lot. It's a big, it's the biggest purchase most of us will ever make. So you don't want to do it hastily. All right. Question also from Instagram. Um, this person says that she has extra money left over every month. So better to use that to pay down student loans or invest it. And I'm assuming for retirement. I mean, I guess it just depends on the interest on those student loans, right? I mean, if they're really, really high, I'd rather see those get out of the picture sooner than later. But um, I kind of feel like student loans are the sort of thing, Mary Grace, where there's a term, it's going to be over in, you know, 8, 10, 15 years if you stay the course. If there's out, if there's extra money and you are behind on retirement savings, I think it should go towards retirement. Yeah, it definitely depends on where this person is. They don't mention how old they are and how much that actual savings is per month that they have to invest. And just the psychological aspect of being able to pay down debt can be a big boost. But if they're earlier on in their career, there's that compound interest that can also work in their favor. So if it's a significant amount, they can also portion out that money. So some of it goes to paying off that debt and some of it goes to retirement. So she can have, she or he can have both. Awesome. Um, so you actually reached out to your community, Mary Grace, and to ask them if they had any questions on their money mind. And, uh, there's a question here from, let me pull it up. Debbie, she is a single mom in her 40s with four kids. She is not she does not have a funded 401k from work. So her question is what's the best, easiest, fastest strategy at this stage in her life to prepare for retirement and aging? Should she do a Roth, a regular IRA, mutual funds, something else? I mean, I think an IRA is low-hanging fruit. I think definitely open up a Roth if she can qualify for it. I know there are some income limitations. You can't earn more than a, a certain amount before you start to phase out of uh, qualifying for an IRA, a Roth IRA. But that you can contribute up to $5,500 a year. And then I think if she could also look to increasing her income somehow, right? Because um, – her savings, her ability to invest more, she's going to have to be aggressive about it at this point if she's got nothing saved. So she either has to cut back dramatically on the, on the spending or make more so that she can get the income. I think at this point, you want to look at, Debbie, maybe investing something like 20 to 25% of your income every year towards retirement through various vehicles, an IRA, maybe you do a Roth and a traditional. And then maybe you do something like, a robo advisor like, you know, Wealthfront, Elevest, uh, Intelligent Portfolio over at Schwab. Like, there's so many different types of low fee automated platforms where you can invest in things like index funds and exchange traded funds. Again, low fee that you can ride out for the next 20 years, 30 years, and um, hopefully, you know, end up with with a lot more money than you started. 
And so I think also thinking about downsizing is important. I know it's hard for kids, maybe when they start leaving the nest, to start really looking at downsizing and um, shoring up more cash that way. But it's good that I think that she's conscious of this, Mary Grace, right? Like it's not like she's like 60 and I haven't saved anything. It's never too late, but 40 is better than 50 is better than 60 to really be aware of the fact that you're a little behind, a lot behind, and you need to play catch up. What do you think? The most important thing right now is to start, just to like you're start, saying. right? Just start. And as much as you can afford to save, go and do that. And I really like the approach of figuring out how you can earn more because there's a limit to how much you can save, but there isn't a limit to how much you can earn. And so really focusing on is, is there other work that she can do? I think for this particular um, person who's asking the question, she does have her own business. So are there other offerings that she can, she can provide to be able to earn more? Is there something else that she can do to really optimize that business income? And if so, figuring out from there, how can she start saving as quickly as she can? Right, right. Um, all right. So much great information. Thank you so much, Mary Grace, for coming on the show. It's so nice to reconnect with you after all these years and interactions online. And I'm really excited and honored to have you in the audience. And thank you to everybody for asking your questions. You know, you can always reach me. Go to somoneypodcast.com. You can go to Instagram, Facebook. Mary Grace, what are your plans now that you have two children you're a new mom as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So so right now I'm really soaking up that time with the newborn, but I also have a, a coming workshop in September for college application essays. And so we'll be working with high school seniors on figuring out how to present their best selves as they're writing their essays for those applications. All right. Thank you so much. Good luck with everything. And everybody, hope your weekend is so money. Oh,